Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about how to use LinkedIn properly to grow your network and your business. With me today is Daniel Alphon, author of Build a LinkedIn Profile for Business Success. Daniel opened his LinkedIn account in early 2004 and has since helped thousands of entrepreneurs and consultants grow their business. Welcome, Daniel. It's great to have you here with me today. Thank you very much, Mike. I'm glad to be part of the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. During our time today, We'll be talking about using connection strategies to get real-life introductions and discuss which metrics you should be following. Before we dive in, can you take a few moments to share your thoughts on the myths behind LinkedIn? With pleasure. There are many myths. The first is that the company page is more important than our individual profiles. I know some of the listeners here may work for larger corporations and some of the listeners may work for smaller companies. So I'll divide my answer into two, two parts. If you work for a company that has thousands of employees, then the company page is important. But if your company is smaller, then your individual profile, Mike, is way, way more important than the company page. The second thing we could discuss is the quality of your network versus the quantity of your network. And maybe a quick myth we could also dive into is that your profile should look like a a CV or a resume, whereas in fact, you can think about it as a website. And the objective of that website is to convert your ideal reader into performing the action you'd like. Visit your your website, download a piece of uh, information, register to a forthcoming webinar or anything else. Okay, great. So let's start all the way at the beginning. Before you can talk about best practices around making connections, you have to set up a personal LinkedIn profile and possibly a company page. So what are the most common mistakes that you see people making when they go about these items? The most common mistake is thinking about what's popular and not what's right. Many people use LinkedIn a bit and they haven't taken the time to dive into the platform. And the simple truth is that you know what's best for your organization, for your managers, for yourself. And if you want to onboard new clients, the question I ask new clients are not about LinkedIn at all. They're about their business. And in my book, LinkedIn should serve us and not the other way around. We're not here to help LinkedIn. We're here to help ourselves, to gain more clients, to gain more revenues. And LinkedIn is one channel or one possibility of Mike, we could do just that. So simply ask yourself, is this good for my business? Is this good in the eyes of the customer? And forget about the LinkedIn metrics and stick to real life metrics. Okay, so if you have your presence set up, there's two kind of main strategies that people tend to take. The first is that quantity-based approach where you're trying to connect with as many people as possible. And then the other is the quality approach where you're cultivating a network and curating it with people that you actually know, right? Or have interacted with at some point. Can you talk a little bit about the advantages and disadvantages of the quality versus quantity approach? Absolutely, with pressure. The uh, quantity approach gives us exposure. By exposure, I mean that if you have 30,000 connections and you share that there is an opportunity within your organization, then many people are likely to see it. The main advantage of a quality network is trust. So if you're looking for someone or if you're using LinkedIn and you run an advanced search and you see that the ideal prospect for your company, Mike, is 
you, you share with that person a mutual connection. If you connected with people you knew well, then you're able to leave LinkedIn and ask that mutual connection whether they can make a real life introduction to your ideal customer. And that can only happen if you connect with people you know well. And I would advise our listeners here is to pick a side. Exposure is great if you have 30,000 connections. Trust is great if you connect with people you know well. Try not to have it both ways because you can't have your cake and eat it. If you're trying to have both, you're likely to end up with very little of either. Let me give you an example if I can. Please. Let's say I have 300 connections and I heard that I needed to have more connections. So I went and increased the size of my network 10 times, tenfold. I now have 3,000 connections. And when I go to sleep, I may think that I have exposure. But in real life, I have very little exposure because exposure happens on LinkedIn when you have 25, 30,000 or more connections because most people are not on LinkedIn. They visit LinkedIn occasionally. And on the other hand, when I run a search and I see an interesting prospect, my ideal prospect or the ideal hiring manager I'd like to work with, then I no longer recognize the names of our mutual connections. And that means I both endangered the trust element because I polluted my network with people I don't know. And I also haven't really reached exposure. So pick one side for the long term. Simply ask yourself, in five years' time, do I want to be the most connected or do I want to be the best connected? And would this also apply if you had, say, multiple people in your maybe small organization? Would you have maybe some people go for the, the bigger you know, network or, uh, you know, any way to kind of divide and conquer? <laughs> it, you know, in some cases, uh, your employees will no longer be with you in five years time. So, so it's, it's, a, it's an individual question. Because this topic is important, but pretty large, I think we can offer our, our audience here some, something specific. I have a guide about different connection strategies, if, you, if you'd like, most connected and, and best connected answering the questions, am I making the smart connections? Which strategy will suit your particular needs best? And how to maximize your results in less time? Oh, that'd be great. Instead of downloading and paying for for that product, any listener here could go to my website and enter the Lubar giveaway if you'd like. So it's danielalfon.com backslash store backslash double sales strong connections then Lubar or bit.ly point Lubar rocks. So maybe that could be in the, uh, in the show notes and you're welcome to download it free of charge. It has a lot of information and I, I encourage everyone to try and use it and decide what's best for them in the long term. Oh, thank you, Daniel. That's a, that's a wonderful offer and I'll definitely put it in the notes here. And uh, I think our listeners will definitely take advantage of that. So, now we've made some connections and it's natural to start thinking about, you know, I want to reach out to people. And one of the frustrations I hear repeatedly from people in the business community is they accept a new contact and sometimes just a minute or two later, they're receiving an incoming sales pitch. And oftentimes it's, it's a pretty thoughtless one. Uh, what can you tell us about best practices for using LinkedIn to generate those new leads for your business? I know you alluded to it a little bit, uh, maybe you can expand on it. Sure. 
So uh, on the receiving end, one thing we could uh, discuss is that you, do, you, do, you don't have to accept uh, any invitation you get. You can actually reply to in intriguing or interesting invitations. Before connecting with someone you don't know, if you, if you uh, receive an invitation, you can go on desktop to, to my network, the second from left in the top navigation bar, and click on see all. And then the word message would, would appear. So Michael, what could we do now? We could message that person, say, thank you very much for the invitation request. I see that you're uh, with uh, Holly Davidson. Is there any way I could be of help? If they reply and say, yes, I wanted to discuss with you uh, enrolling to a, a business class on, on, um, on your university, then please engage with him, have that conversation. If they don't reply, or they share something that is not of interest to you, then you don't have to accept that invitation. That's that's only in the incoming invitations angle. If you're looking to grow your sales, then that not that's not the equivalent of growing your network. Before trying to shut up to go to people you don't know and network with them, I think the best case we could discuss here is leveraging our existing connections, our existing network. And when you run an advanced search on LinkedIn, you'll find ideal prospects that are in your metro area and with whom you share mutual connections. If you connect with people you know well, that can lead into significant business. The strategy of connecting and then selling you irrelevant stuff does not work. And LinkedIn hasn't changed the way our brains are wired. We need trust. I was listening to, to the episode we had with uh, Kyle Sullivan. And one quote I remember is trust is, uh, is assumed and mistrust is earned. So please don't be that person. Don't send invitations in order to sell something to people that you don't know because you don't like to be sold to and neither do other people. Do it organically use real life events, use educational content on LinkedIn that will make people visit your website and decide that you're a solution to their problem. So both in the incoming, in the outbound aspects of things, I don't think automation is the solution. Automation is often the problem. Yeah, I've definitely uh, experienced that myself. And as someone who prefers a more high touch model when it comes to uh, client support as well as sales and, and building relationships. Uh, I, I love the advice you're providing. So thank you. Another aspect of LinkedIn I wanted to touch on a little bit is how can you effectively leverage both the LinkedIn personal page that you have, as well as your organization's LinkedIn page to make connections and drive new leads and grow your network? Excellent. So let's start with content. I think content is, is important. Cont in the long-term content is the best gasoline or the best fuel that will grow our business. The ideal content to share on LinkedIn, whether we work for uh, advocate or health or, or a startup, is educational content. So simply asking yourself, who's our ideal reader? Who's our ideal prospect? And what sort of information and what sort of content would make them interested in what we do? And if you perform an analysis of the content that you have, some of that content is educational and some of it is even evergreen. So the evergreen content that is educational could be shared A, by a company page, B, by your individual managers, your staff, and C, you could also share those across 
several LinkedIn groups. So instead of harassing your connections, assuming that your connections are your ideal audience, that's not always the case. In some cases, your connections are people you worked with. They could be your peers, they could be your clients, but they're not necessarily your ideal audience. So think of LinkedIn groups as a way to spread your message and help people understand the value that you bring to the table. If you're a large company, you could also specialize in a way that some managers will target or focus on certain aspects or certain segments or certain metro areas, and their profile would cater only to problem X. And other managers who deal with other products may only show their products instead of just trying to be everything to everyone, you could specialize in that aspect, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I like the suggestion about moving and using groups and not just hitting your network every time and, and you know, getting that word out a little differently. On a related note, how often should somebody be posting on LinkedIn and how should people maybe respond to other things that they see? Excellent. So I think that even asking ourselves the question is already part of the answer. How much content do we have? How much time can we invest or dedicate to LinkedIn consistently? And I would suggest as a, as a, as a ballpark figure, if you work for a, a smaller company, then once a quarter, once a month on your page is enough. If you work for a large company, then maybe once a week or twice or three times a week would work because you have lots of content. But the, the single a most important thing to remember is, is that content educational? Is it interesting? I see that you shared recently an article from uh, Forbes about the Shopify executive who explained about their uh, digital first uh, experience. Yes. And, and it was amazing. It was amazing to, to, to see the way they leveraged COVID to work completely differently. And they offer their staff the ability to work 90 days outside of their uh, of the country anywhere in the world and that that is so, something meaningful that uh, many executives are asking themselves questions about how can we deal with the great resignation and how can we retain our best staff so if the content is interesting then please share it but simply ask yourself why am i sharing Am I sharing because I need to share something this week? Or am I sharing because I think this piece of content resonates with my audience? And if you're sure that resonates with your audience, share it. I'm guessing most people think they have to post a lot more than they do. Frequencies you're mentioning here are definitely a little less than I would have thought. Frankly, there were periods of six months I haven't shared anything and my business wasn't hurt. Because what happens when you share too often, Mike, is that people become blind to that sort of content. If they get used to the fact that every time they see something coming from your uh, end, it's the same piece of content, then the third or fifth or 20th time, they're not likely to engage with it. And the objective should be making them wait. Like each time Mark, Mark, share something, then I'm curious to see what is he thought about? What is he thought about? What is he sharing now? And that cannot, that anticipation or form cannot happen when you're sharing to death. Yeah, that's a powerful combination. You know, client focus <laughs> as well as keep them wanting a little bit more, right? <laughs> Another thing I hear people talking a lot about is metrics. And you alluded to it earlier. 
at the beginning of our episode. Businesses already have tons of metrics and too much data in most cases. LinkedIn kind of adds to this, which can be maybe a curse or potentially a blessing. So what thoughts do you have around metrics and how to select the right ones for your business? Okay, great. So um, I have a good news. Okay, the good news is that I don't think you need to think about LinkedIn metrics, Mark, at all. You already have, like you said, business metrics. And when I work with, uh, with clients, my clients don't get connections or views or likes. They get orders and revenues. So the way I would suggest to build it is to focus on the business metrics that matter to you. Generally, it would be top of the funnel. It would be the awareness stage. It could be downloads. It could be the transaction will not happen usually on LinkedIn, but the discovery is very likely to happen on LinkedIn. So say you have a forthcoming webinar and you want to use LinkedIn to make more people aware of it. It's simple. Yeah, last time you had you did it, you didn't use LinkedIn, you had 250 registrants and 200 say showed up. And when you use LinkedIn, you have 300 uh, people who reserved and you have 260 who showed up. Then you translate and you see how many of those have actually ordered or moved to the next stage. So you don't need to think about LinkedIn metrics at all. Just pick the business metric that matters to you. And then the whole LinkedIn black box, if you'd like, should serve that purpose. You don't need to see what's, what has changed on LinkedIn. You need to monitor your dashboard, your business dashboard. LinkedIn hasn't changed anything. Because if you have many likes, but you're in the red, that's not what we're uh, looking for in business. Not very true. I like focusing on the metrics that you normally focus on and using LinkedIn to kind of drive that. And uh, if there's a disconnect somewhere, then you know where to look. Okay, so before we bring this episode to a close, what final advice do you have for our listeners uh, about using LinkedIn? I'll suggest a very quick uh, three-step framework to think about their own LinkedIn presence and their profile, if you'd like. First question is, who's your ideal reader? So your ideal reader could be an executive who wants to invest in their staff and make them upgrade their business knowledge. And they may consider the specialized programs that Lubar offers. What action would you like those people to perform when they visit your profile? And most of our listeners will say one way or the other, reach out to us. Some of them will say, visit a specific page. Some of them will say, message me, whatever, but reaching out to us in one way or another. And then once you identify your ideal reader and you know the action you'd like them to perform, you simply ask yourself, if I were my ideal reader and I, I have never heard of me and I would see this profile, am I likely to perform that action? What questions would I ask what information am I seeing? Am I seeing the right information? Am I seeing it in the order that I'm asking myself those questions? And when I want to click, do I get where I want? Because a very simple uh, thing to do is to ask someone you're not connected with to show you, to open their LinkedIn app and to show you their profile. It would take them 30 seconds and then you simply ask yourself, okay, so now I would like people to message me and you ask that person to click on message. And then, Mike, what happens is that they have a premium message from LinkedIn saying you cannot message Mike. So once you realize that what's important is not what we see in our own backyard, but what our customers see, 
then you need to rebuild your whole LinkedIn presence. So it's not difficult. It's simply going foot on the ground, asking someone and trusting what you see and not what you think happens. That's that's great advice on you know, looking at it from the consumer's uh, standpoint, right? And you know how can they see your information? What do they see? And how easy is it to access information that you're hoping that they're going to be interested in? All right. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for taking time to share tips and advice on using LinkedIn. I hope everybody goes out to their LinkedIn page today, if not right now, and starts thinking about how they leverage LinkedIn and uh, how they can maybe leverage what we're talking about today. If anybody's interested in more from Daniel, please check out his website, which includes a free download on how to create a LinkedIn profile headline that sells, along with another free link that we mentioned earlier about how to double your sales with strong connections. I'll include these links in the description of our episode here for easy access. And again, Daniel, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for offering that to our listeners here. In closing, I'd like to take a moment and thank our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back regularly for additional episodes.